Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at the thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 135. Jim Taddy with you for the next 25 minutes or so. Coming up very shortly, a conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXMNHL.com as he's driving to practice the final Leaf practice here before they split for Sweden for the rest of the week. Before we get going, the NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks in any game this week to score $200 in bonus bets. Here is the call to action, ladies and gentlemen. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five in the NFL. The code is THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And so we're dealing with a 5-2 win at home to Vancouver. Vancouver goes into that game 8-0-1 in their last nine, and the Leafs coming in off a, well, almost a frittered-away situation against Calgary the night before the Hall of Fame game. They had a 4-1 lead and had to win at 5-4 in a shootout. And so it's a leaky performance is what I'm trying to say. But against the Canucks, there was a physical response to a couple of hits, and even though the Canucks scored on the two instigator penalties that the Leafs took, the Leafs then took over that game. The secondary scoring was not an issue, and because everybody did their job, the defense and the goal goaltending were not an issue. You see how things work hand in hand? If everybody does their job, suddenly people don't get centered out. And that was certainly the way you would describe the least performance against Vancouver. Here is our conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXMNHL.com. Dave, as the team gets ready to head to Sweden and you're off to practice today for the final workout for the Leafs, they end their, I guess, North American first part of the season with probably, no, I'm not going to say probably, I'm going to say their best game of the year. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. No, they were they were good against Vancouver, I thought. And I can say that because in writing the game story, I haven't had a game yet this year up until the Vancouver game where it's been calm, clean, neat, tidy, not lead changes at the last second, back and forth, goals all over the place. Haven't had one of those games 
until Saturday where I was essentially able to put my feet up on the desk for the final 20 minutes, which generally to me in a roundabout way is an indicator that it's been a clean, tidy game and that they've been able to steer at home uh, calmly in the third period after building a lead and taking control of the game um, and not letting it get to a point where it's, it's once again in question. So they were good against Vancouver, and I think it's really important that they were able to put together two pretty decent efforts. They weren't bad against Calgary on Friday. They, they let that, that lead slip away, but they waffled a little bit, and then they were able to take the game back, which, which was good to see. They didn't, uh, they didn't panic. Um, as Sheldon Keefe said after the game. So, you know, given where the team was on Wednesday and Thursday coming out of that loss, which was pretty disappointing, if you're a Leafs fan, the way they played against Ottawa, um, it was really important to get a couple of wins in the book and and play a couple of decent efforts uh, prior to heading over to Sweden because the vibe of the trip would have been very different. They had a loss in, in unconvincing fashion uh, another two games in a row. Yeah, I, I want to throw this at you and get your reaction. I thought, to me, the Leafs answered back in every possible way, and it's as simple as uh, bad hits that they didn't like, so they got instigator penalties, two of them in the first period, one to Giordano and the other two, uh, Domi. And even though Vancouver scored on those power plays, the Leafs physically answered back, and then they answered back with their play. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I just don't understand why some, some people – it simply cannot grasp this concept of why it's important to stand up and make it clear that, okay, if you're going to do this, um, there's going to be a response, a price that you have to pay. I, I don't understand why people cannot understand that concept. I saw a lot of people, and, and, and as well, um, I don't know if colleague is the right word because – this individual never certainly never comes to a game, but a guy who's obviously been in the game as a reporter for many, many years, 40 years, you know, with the sarcasm on Twitter, I'm not going to name him my name because it's not the, but it's just, I, I don't, it's, it all it was is, Oh, well, look at the Leafs uh, really smart. Uh, they go after two guys, get two instigator penalties and give up two goals. Uh, that's really smart. Oh yeah. You know what? It, it really was because, after the first period, the Leafs played like a, a tight, cohesive unit um, with purpose and with energy, as opposed to floating around like a bunch of lost souls um, and, and, and having the game just whittle away from them. It's really important to stand up and come together as a group when, when uh, the other team takes liberties with, with, with some of your players. It needs to be made clear. Now, what I would like to see is, is a step beyond that. Rather than having to stand up and respond, why don't you go out and set the tone yourself by delivering a few hits to make the other team have to respond to you? That would be the next step. But it was a dramatic improvement from what we saw a couple of weeks ago when nobody gave Bradley Marsh on much more than a hairy eyeball um, um, after he dumped Timothy Lilligren. So, you know, I thought that was good to see, and especially when it's a guy like Gio, um, who, you know, who's that college football coach, uh, Tad Man, that, that had that uh, legendary quote, I'm a man, I'm 40. I mean, that's Gio. <laughs> and, and when he... <laughs> 
And when he's stepping in and like laying a beating, laying a beating, I don't know if you saw that fan video from the corner there. I mean, that was, that was a tilt that came in men's and he held his own and that fired the boys up. And the funny thing is he said it fired him up too. He said, even though he felt like he sat for an hour getting the two, five and 10 after that, I thought he played pretty good in the remainder of that game as well. And he said, uh, you know, I was talking to him after. He said it was kind of right out of the Jerome McGinley playbook, right, where when maybe you're not going to the level that you want to go at, you know, getting a tilt fires you up. And I thought he played real good. So I that was really impressive to see, and I think something the Leafs need to need to show more of going forward. Well, look, that happened 445 into the first period. And, uh, you know, if you're in the rink as you and I were, that was a galvanizing moment for the 20,000 people that were there. It was a galvanizing moment for all the, all the Maple Leaf players because it led to the Domi response uh, another 10 minutes later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It got the building into it. I mean, what's, what's the thing that people always say? Oh, man, you can, you can go to a Leafs game and you can sit in the 18th row in Section 119 and you can hear the conversation of the guy – sitting in the 22nd row in section 308 because it's that quiet. Um, Well, it wasn't quiet on Saturday. The crowd really got into it right from the start because of the geo response. And then Max Domi stepped in. And and then, like I said, yeah, they gave up a couple of goals. Obviously, you'd like to get kills there. But it's funny how, how hockey works sometimes. You play the game the way it's supposed to be played. You stand up for your teammates. Um, and the game seems to work in mysterious ways. And even though they gave up goals, never felt like the game was getting away from them. It felt like they were into the game and, and were, were starting to push the pace and, and, and set the tone themselves um, in the run of play. And, and, and like I said, really, from the middle of the second period on, they took over the game, and it was, it was just a case of steer at home over the final 20 minutes. So uh, that, that was really good to see. It was really good to see. Like I said, the next step is uh, deliver a few hits yourself so that you force the opponent into having to respond to you. Well, I mean, the other story of the game is, as the game wore on, based on what we've just said there, the Leafs got stronger and the Canucks got weaker. You could see them fade out of the game. And one of the reasons why was the depth of scoring. Gregor, Robertson, and Camp all get goals. Yeah for the last three goals of the game, and that is a much-needed piece to the puzzle that's been missing, missing in action since game one. Yeah, it was. I mean, Willie was still himself. He was looked like he could have had four goals again. Um, he had the one. Uh, but otherwise, it was a bottom six kind of night, which you need from time to time. Um, that third line that they found, and I think we talked about it, uh, the last time that you were that I was on your show, or at least suggested that, man, you know this would be a good idea to, to put a put a uh, a group like that together. Um, Robertson, Domi, and Yarncroft, they've pretty consistently since since Robertson came up at the beginning of last week, um, have have been a line that's driven play and has contributed from time to time. I think Robertson's looked really good. It's the best Domi's looked all year. And Yarncroft's been been really good, I think, um, in a way which is weird. He wasn't when he was playing up the lineup with Matthews and Meyer. It's funny how they've tried him in that role on a number of occasions the last couple of years. It just hasn't really seemed to click. But yeah, on that third line, he's been he's been really good. So that's been effective. And 
getting Bobby McMahon in. Um, the fourth line was able to chip in. Noah Gregor had a real good game. I'm with Sheldon Keefe when he talked about Ryan Reeves, that he's watched all the goals that uh, they've given up while Reeves has been on the ice. He said, I still really can't find one that's been ultimately his fault. Like, I think Reeves really, really taken it um, a lot more than than he probably should because I, I don't disagree with the head coach. I really haven't been able to, to pick out a goal that he's been directly responsible for. He's been on the ice, yeah, for a lot of goals. But, you know, I don't think he's been as bad as, as certain people suggest. He hasn't been great. He hasn't been that bad. But nonetheless, you give him a game to reset. And look, when, when they brought him in, the, the thought was that, you know, like maybe he's not going to play every night, right? You put him in in a situation where, you know, you have a feeling the game could go in a particular direction. And, you know, oddly, <laughs> the game that he didn't play went in the direction that you wouldn't have minded to have him in the lineup um, against Vancouver. But regardless, so he sat out and, and, and Bobby McMahon looked really good. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. I expect we're able to get back in the lineup at some point, but that fourth line was, was really good. And I think Noah Gregor had a big, big part to do with it. He's been pretty good this year. He's got a lot of speed. Um, he's got a, I think a really underrated shot. I was talking to him after the game, um, you know, and I said, you know, what do you think? How, like, is your shot, do you consider that an asset? He said, yeah, yeah, I really do. Um, it's just, you know, are we always in a position to use it or not? And you remember the goal he scored against Montreal at the beginning of the year, real good shot. And there again against Vancouver, um, really good shot from the top of the left circle. So if he's in position to let it rip, he can score. So that that was good to see because you need those type of games every now and again where it's, uh, where it's guys down the lineup that, uh, that, that contribute and lead the way. Okay, so two thoughts come out of what you just said there. Uh, regarding Reeves, I'm not going to crap on him, but, but I think that if, if you go over those tapes, um, you're going to find the coach is correct. But what he's not doing is advancing the play. The play does not advance with him. So that creates the situation where a goal goes in and it's not his fault. Um, I want to go to McMahon, Robertson, and Ligason. These are three ads from the Marlies. And, and this was sort of um, something we didn't consider at the start of the season. But, but there are guys in the Marlies that can make a significant contribution. And these three have really stepped up. Yeah, no, I totally agree on Reeves. That's the thing. I don't think he's been horrendous, but he hasn't been great either. That's the issue is that the line isn't spending a lot of time in the offensive zone. And, and, and putting Bobby McMahon out there the other day, you know, help them spend a bit more time in the offensive zone. So, no, I agree with that, 100%. Um, the, the guys that have got called up from the – like, William Laguson's been quite strong. Um, I, I liked his phys, I've liked his physicality since he's been in the lineup, um, which, is, which is good to see. You know, he's, he's been a guy that's been able to step in and give them some legitimate minutes here while they've been under man on the blue line for quite some time. So, so he's been he's been really strong. I didn't mind Benoit's game, the couple of games that he played. So, you know, not not too bad there in terms of depth. That said, they still need to upgrade on the blue line. I'm not about to change my approach on that. Um, uh, Nick Robertson, the way he's playing, it looks like he's finally figured it out to the extent where he's going to be an everydayer now. Um, you know, when I watched Nick Robertson in the past, 
uh, I always came away with the thought process, Jim, that you can never take away how, how much the guy works and how much the guy tries out there. He never cheated you on effort. That was never a concern I had about Nick Robertson. My issue was that, man, does it ever look like this guy is working so hard to not get very much done? You know what I mean? And there are yeah. those guys that, that, that look like they're just working their bag off and they, they just don't get anything done. So, yeah, the guy's working hard and trying, but where is it leading? Um, and, and now it looks like, I mean, the effort's still there, but it looks like there's a lot more purpose to his game. In other words, to me, it doesn't look to the naked eye like that guy is going a million miles an hour, but there's, get, there's a lot more that is getting done when he's out there. He's making crisp reads. He's making good decisions. Um, he's putting the puck in areas um, that it needs to go, um, especially when there is no play there to be made. He's putting it in a good area rather than trying to make something with, with such hard work, but he turns into a check just inside the line, and then it's a turnover back the other way. Um, there's a lot more, um, this is not a word, but professionality to his play. And, and that, there looks like there's been an evolution in his play, which is good to see. So, I mean, that's what I've been looking for out of him for like two and a half years. It seems like it's finally clicked now. And look, there, there's never been a, a debate about the caliber of his shot. Um, he's got an elite shot. I, give, I mean, it's, it's not Austin Matthews. Let's not get carried away. Um, you know, it's probably not William Nylander. But I'd, I'd go as so far to say it is, it is possibly top three on this team, um, without question, top five. Uh, the guy can score from distance. And even if he doesn't score, as we've seen, the shot is so heavy that there's a good chance a rebound comes out of it and chaos ensues in front of the net. So, you know, all that said, this guy looks like he's figured something. And now it's just been a week. Need to see a little bit more. But it does look like he's figured something out and, to me, is on the verge of becoming an everydayer. Well, let's close out on this. I think professionalism was the word you were looking for, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna infiltrate your your thought process. Don't be don't be centering Yarncroke and Robertson, Camp centering McMahon and Gregor. I mean that that is uh, that that's almost like a dream come true based on what the way we were talking a week and a half ago. Yep. Look, David Camp has to be better too, and I think he had his best game against the Canucks on Saturday. He, I mean, he was. He, he was terrible, quite honestly, in, in a number of games at the beginning of the year, just losing losing his defensive coverage. I, I know you've been watching him, too. I've, I've really been enjoying uh, Frankie Corrado's low-tech breakdowns at his laptop there. Um, yeah. he, he pointed out a number of plays where David Camp just simply was not in the right position defensively, getting way too low, leaving the middle of the ice open. I mean, for a guy who is being paid pretty well, quite honestly, um, to, to solely be sound responsibly um, uh, and defensively, it hasn't been good enough. So he needs to get better. He was much better uh, Saturday. Um, you know, and if he can do that, and that line of, of Camp and Gregor and, and McMahon 
can be a line that they turn to and as as the coach put it um give us the opportunity to get into a rhythm and keep rolling lines which they really hadn't been able to do um because they, they didn't really have a third line that was going and the fourth line was one they couldn't put on the ice um it was it was it was an issue it looked like the last uh, couple of games, certainly the one against Vancouver, they were able to do that. And when they can, that makes them a much more dangerous team. On the way out, it may be too early to start decorating for the holidays, but it's never too early to start your holiday shopping. Why not take care of it now before the crowds and packed calendars make shopping a total nightmare, especially when you can get some of the best deals of the season well before Black Friday. You can shop Raycon products right now, save up to 50% because their early Black Friday sale is going on now. A personal note here, the new Beatles song, the last Beatles song, Now and Then, had the earbuds in, the Raycon earbuds in. Wow, what a marvelous sound. That is just, uh, you have to get these earbuds. They are fantastic. Well, where do you go? Hurry now to buy Raycon.com slash THPN to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buy Raycon.com slash THPN to score up to 50% off Raycon products by Raycon.com slash THPN. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning. Time now for a lickety split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy, number one, the third line. Oh, do I like this third line? Robertson, Domi, and Yarncroke. Well, there's speed. There's all kinds of stuff. There's a- actual agitation created by the speed and energy. And really, after you get through the top lines of Matthews between Marner and Nyes, and then Tavares centering Nylander and Bertuzzi to come back with this line. Oh, that's that's a yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number two. The fourth line. Oh, that's another yes guy. Camp centering McMahon and Gregor. And as Dave McCarthy detailed, Camp hadn't been playing so well, but with these two guys, it's a perfect fit. McMahon takes care of business. Then, as I pointed out, the line is able to advance the play. For whatever reason, with Ryan Reeves on the ice, it didn't advance the play. And in his defense, a lot of times the Leafs did not have the lead, so that fourth line wasn't going to see a lot of ice time. But now it looks pretty good. Yes guy. Yes guy, no guy number three. Secondary scoring is back. Well, that's an emphatic yes guy. The Vancouver game is the ultimate test for that. Final three goals come from secondary scoring. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoyed Leaf Sky episode 135. Hope you come back next week for Leaf Sky 136.